When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. You may have heard that the amount you can put in a 401k or a similar workplace kind of plan was increased for 23 to huge amounts. But the headlines buried the lead, and in fact, it hadn't been talked about at all. Roth IRA rules changed as well. And I want to tell you about the changes in the Roth. And also, I have a Clarkonomic segment coming for you on the economy and our deficit. So the Roth IRA contributions, which are so key to me, have lagged under the law so far behind what you can put in a 401k. And why in the infinite wisdom of the U.S. Congress, the law is set that way, I don't know. Because you can put these ginormo amounts into a 401k. Over $22,500, unless you're older, you can do $30,000 in a year into a 401k. And that's what all the headlines were about. But the truth is, there's almost nobody who puts into a 401k up to what the federal limits are, even before they reset 423. So Roth, though, on the other hand, people have been limited for years to $6,000. That's bumping up to 6500 If you're 50 years old and over, you're allowed to do 7500 in 23. And this is good news, but I still don't understand the disparity. I don't get it why people who are, let's say, self-employed or work for a small business that doesn't offer a retirement plan, why they are not able to save with both hands tied behind their backs, not able to save like people who work for a larger company that can have and afford and offer a 401k. But I'm not in the Congress. I can't fix this. So the good news is at least you can save a little more. But the great news is the income levels that make you eligible for a Roth have been raised quite a bit because of the inflation we've had recently in the economy. So if you're a single individual, you're able now to contribute to a Roth with your income up to 138000 in a year. That's going to cover most people out there working in a job. If you're married, 218000 is what you have to make as a couple before you lose eligibility to do a Roth. So it means that a lot of people who were not eligible before are now going to be eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA in 23. Why do I love a Roth so much? Because you put money in it, it grows tax-free over the years, 
And then when it comes time in retirement to spend money, you spend it tax-free. And because it's money that is not subject to taxation in retirement, it means that it doesn't mess up other things like what you have to pay in taxes on what you're getting from Social Security or anything else. It doesn't mess up what you have to pay for Medicare, for the parts that are adjusted based on your income and premiums. So there's a lot really great about the increase in the Roth. But again, the frustration I've had for so long I can't even remember is why is it that we give such a leg up to people who work for big employers versus people who work for small employers or are self-employed? The why makes no sense. Don't get it. And I wish that our elected leaders would get their act together because they always talk about how much they love entrepreneurs and small business and all that. But the talk only carries so far because what matters is actions. And the actions that need to change is giving people who are in jobs that they don't have access to retirement plans the ability to contribute decent large amounts to retirement like other earthlings, and I don't know where it comes from over the years that Congress has always treated people who save in a Roth so differently than people who save in a 401k. And when I say Roth, that's short for Roth IRA because you could have a Roth 401k as well. So I am talking about the IRA. And while we're on this subject, if you're not participating in a retirement plan at work that's offered to you, or you're not doing your own Roth IRA, you're missing a real opportunity for financial security down the road. And Krista, what questions you got for me today? I'm going to start with Jeff in Georgia. He says, about three years ago, I increased my Roth IRA contribution, but failed to adjust my automatic investment plan. As a result, I have a large sum that is accumulated in a cash fund for the Roth, but wasn't invested in mutual funds, et cetera. Given the negative returns of the past years, this may have been a somewhat lucky mistake, but I'm wondering what to do now. Do I invest it all now or wait until the market seems to have bottomed out? And I have had a couple other people write in and say, I'm, I want to make my Roth contribution. Should I do it now or should I wait and just right. do it all at once? So the thing is, we don't know where the bottom is for the market. We don't know when the bottom is for the market. And we don't know when the market turns for its next nice upswing. So the easiest answer for this with the Roth in general, the other question people were asking, which is not having money sitting in cash instead of invested, is that just put money in each month. So I used to have a real simple way to say it. You'd put 500 in each month and that would take you to 6,000. Now with the new 6,500, got to give it a little bit more Got to give it like, uh, what would that be, 540 a month? Is that right? <laughs> About 540 a month would get you to the 6,500. And so if you do that, you're, you're flowing into the market, steady Eddie, and you don't have to worry so much when that recovery comes. Now, in the case of the situation with Jeff, where you have that idle cash, you could do that with your idle cash. You could just put more in each month from sitting in cash into the investments you were invested in. And that way you don't have to worry so much when the market turn is. You're riding with the market, 
lowering your risk, but being there more and more each month for when the ultimate recovery takes place. And from Sharon in Illinois, my husband is 50, I'm 48, and was self-employed up until a year ago. We have about $25,000 saved in our Roth IRAs. We have a total of $70,000 saved in 529s for our kids who are 18 and 15. All is. Let me stop you there because that's a little backwards. Mm -hmm. As much as you love your kids, having more money for retirement and less for their college is preferable to having a lot more for their college and less for retirement because there's all kinds of ways to pay for college and you only got me, myself, and I to pay for retirement. All is with a national investment firm. I'm reading there's a lot of fees. Should I transfer my Roth to index funds with Charles Schwab or Vanguard? And can and should I move the 529 plans? Side note, I started a 401k with my company when I was hired, and there's a nice match I'm taking advantage of. Also, my husband will be receiving his pension in five years. Okay, you won the pension lottery in your household. (laughs) That's going to be a big relief to you because... Very few people have a robust pension anymore. And if your husband has a really solid pension that's going to kick in in five years, that's awesome. That will take the place of a lot of what you would have had to do for yourself. Now, to the core question you asked, so you are with an ultra-high cost firm. And if you were to move your money to one of the low-cost Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, uh, Betterment, Wealthfront would be two other choices. You would really so much more efficiently be investing for your future because you wouldn't be having so much money swept away in commissions and fees. Uh, If I were going to do that with Roth money, I would keep it really simple. Don't do index funds. Do the target retirement fund choice so that it's automatically being modified over time as you get closer and closer to your expected time of retirement. For the 529s, you can move 529 money once a year. You can go to our 529 guide at Clark.com, see the lowest cost plans, tax-free, you move that money, and you won't be paying the really high expenses that you're paying right now. From Brian in Wisconsin, I have a month-to-month gym membership. The membership agreement or contract states that rate increases can happen annually in an amount up to the base rate multiplied by the increase in the consumer price index, which currently is between 8 and 9%. I recently received an email stating that my rate would nearly double due to the current state of the economy, which is way more than that specified in the contract. When I responded to the email, they didn't dispute it, but only said the increase was necessary. If I had economic difficulties and didn't make payments as laid out in the agreement, I would be sent to collections and my credit harmed. It seems like this contract protects only the gym, not the member. Is there anything that I can do other than canceling or just paying the new rate? So Brian, a couple of things here. If you are month to month, then you are actually in a really great position because you can leave them at any time. As to their promise, they would only raise rates so much. In a month-to-month agreement, they can change the terms of that at any time just as you have the right to walk at any time. So in this case, they are having whatever financial difficulties or feel like they have an opportunity to charge more and they're just going to do it. Your choice is to bolt, to find, go out there, see what other facilities there are available in your area in Wisconsin, and 
go to another gym go for a visit see what the facilities are like see if you like the atmosphere gyms will let you do that and then you can decide you know what it's my wallet i'm going to vote with my feet i'm going somewhere else if you go out and shop the market and you find even at the higher price this gym is a better deal than others available locally then i guess at that point you suck it up and you pay the higher rate but because you are a month-to-month member the terms and conditions you've been offered can change at any time on their part just as you have the ability to say bye-bye which is what you likely want to do now if you do find that better opportunity elsewhere now coming up ahead something we last did during the great recession segments of clarkonomics we're not going to have anything like the great recession but we're going to from time to time delve back into clarkonomics because we are in an inflection time in the u.s economy and there are things i want you to know want you up to date on so you have a clear understanding about what's happening and we're going to do a clarkonomics straight ahead It became the thing over the last 15 years for people across the political spectrum to believe that budget deficits didn't matter. And we in the United States, like so many other countries, spent money willy-nilly that we hadn't collected tax for. And we've been running budget deficits in the United States that are crazy, crazy high. And the bill's coming due, and I need to tell you how it's going to affect you and me. So I want to go back for a second in the Wayback Machine to the late 1990s. So in the late 1990s, the U.S. was running a budget surplus. It was running such a rate of budget surpluses that what economists were worried about was how would the Federal Reserve do its job if the United States wiped out all its debt? I mean, that was the conversation because we were headed straight line to that. Well, then we had the September 11th terrorist attacks, and we had a big ramp up in federal spending and deficit spending, and it's never been the same since. And then we had the Great Recession that led to big deficit spending, and then massive deficit spending during covid in 20 and 21 led to ginormo budget deficits so we're in a position now where every dollar you and i pay in tax a big chunk of it is going just to service the national debt the problem is interest rates have been so low for such a long time that it wasn't a heavy lift to pay the interest as taxpayers on that federal debt Well, now, as interest rates rise to more normal levels, it means that not just are you and I paying more for a car loan or paying higher interest on a credit card or paying higher mortgage rates. The federal government is now paying, we, paying higher interest rates on the debt. Plus, the levels of debt are going to limit the amount of room that our government or any other has to maneuver when there's a need or a want to spend more than we're bringing in and if you look at what happened in the united kingdom in england great britain whatever you want to call it and we had this 
prime minister that I know this kind of stuff we don't pay that much attention to in America, but this woman who was in for like 45 days apparently became a thing that her prime ministership lasted a shorter time than it takes a head of lettuce to go bad or something. What happened was when she came in, she proposed all kinds of new deficit spending. You know, we're going to buy this, pay for this, do this other thing, and no way to pay for it and do tax cuts as well. Well, the marketplace just melted down. And so this is a clear signal to us in the United States and other countries that have been spending money so crazy. I mean, the amount of, the amount of money we're spending beyond the tax dollars we're bringing in that this is not sustainable, and we've kind of hit a wall. So it means we're going to have to have a more mature conversation than we hear in the political process, and we're going to have to really think through if there's something that we want government to do for us, we're actually going to have to pay for what we want the government to do, that we are not going to be in a position to keep our nation strong if we spend money we don't have. And that's always been true. But the thing is, people have always thought about it as being, oh, it's going to be a big problem down the road. Well, the road now is here. And so moving forward, it's going to cause us to have to make tougher choices. And people love to say they love lower taxes. I love lower taxes. Everybody loves lower taxes. But at the same time, we want government to do this, 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 and this, and this. So if government hands out candy, we're also going to have to pay for that candy. And that's the challenge that we face as we move forward. And that's not just for next year, year after. This is a real thing that we are going to have to learn more to live within our means as a country. Our states do it. Almost all the states are required to have a balanced budget. And many states are running budget surpluses right now. And it's just how it's done. Everybody expects that. And at the same time, we have the psychology that the federal government can just spend whatever it wants. It can till it doesn't work. And we've moved into an era that we got to pay attention. The budget deficit in the United States has been cut in half in 22 versus what it was last year. But what is that budget deficit? For a single year, we spent $1.4 trillion more, trillion, than what we brought in. That is obviously not sustainable. It's not right. We've always said this isn't fair to our children and grandchildren. Let me tell you something. Forget the children and grandchildren thing. The bill is due now because of the changes in world economies and this rise in interest rates. Krista, what do you think I could get elected to? I couldn't get elected to dog catcher. I think you could get elected to. No, no. You got to be with the voters right now. Everything's got to be like some kind of emotional thing that pulls at them. Nobody wants to hear the tough stuff, right? 
All right, we're going to start with Dave in Iowa. Clark frequently mentions the importance of fees charged by mutual funds and index funds. I understand that many funds charge load fees, but what about no load funds? It's my understanding that the rate of return listed for these funds is after all fees and expenses have been deducted, including embedded load fees. Therefore, if fund A has a higher rate of return than fund B, what difference does it make if fund A's fees are higher than fund B's since the SEC's rate of return is a net number after all expenses have been deducted. All the financial publications I've read mention the importance of lower fees, but don't explain in detail the issues about the fees. Okay. So Dave, I love that you asked me this because yes, you could have a really high cost fee, even one that charges commissions known as loads that outperforms the typical fund over a period of time. But if you look over typically five or 10 year periods or longer, what you'll see is that the lowest cost funds rise to the top. That's why there's been such an obsession in recent years as we've had the ability to crunch data so much more easily with index funds and ETFs, exchange traded funds. They typically have the lowest expenses of all these investment products. And when you look over longer periods of time, they are at the top of the heap. And over time, a fund that maybe did really well and excelled beyond others over a shorter period of time has a really hard time outperforming over a longer period of time. It's like if you go to the doctor and one person is carrying proper body weight and is exercising all the time and another person is carrying a lot more weight and is not exercising regularly, there's a difference in how how their long-term health is going to be. It's the same thing with funds. It's like the funds are carrying around extra weight and the burden of carrying that extra weight over time hurts their performance. This is from Patty in Arizona. I have one credit card that I pay off each month, and I don't want another card. One of the big banks sends me several unsolicited pre-approved offers a month in the mail with QR codes and other ways to accept the offer. I have to shred each one. How can I get these offers stopped? So optoutprescreen.com tells the credit issuers and the credit bureaus that you don't want these solicitations. So if you go to optoutprescreen.com, you're going to freak out because you have to put in your social security number because the entire credit reporting system works on social security numbers. Feel comfortable. It's safe to put it in at Optout Prescreen. And that will eliminate probably about 90% of the solicitations any of us get. Now, On your situation, Patty, I would tell you you're actually better off getting a second card from a different issuer than what you have right now. If you have, it doesn't matter if it's a Visa or MasterCard, just from a different, or American Express or Discover, just a different issuer than who you have right now. Because for your credit standing moving forward, having two cards is much more valuable than having one. You don't even have to use that card, but a couple of times a year just to show activity. But having that second card is really valuable, especially if the first issuer, the only card you have, decides at some point 
they don't want you anymore and they kill your card, then you've got no credit and you have to go reestablish. This is from Frankie in Rhode Island. Robinhood now offers 3% interest on idle cash sitting in their bank or banks, as their website states. Am I better off keeping my savings in Robinhood's account and not investing it, or should I leave it in my Discover Online Savings, which is only currently paying 2% annually? I know Robinhood is kind of new, but that extra 1% would be great considering my wife and I have $100,000 in which we've accumulated in emergency funds that we would like to keep safe while earning something. Okay. This is so timely that we're talking about this because I've talked about different things you can do at the discount brokers. I've talked about uh, being able to buy treasury debt through them without having to go through all the jump through all the zillion hoops that you have buying from Treasury Direct that a lot of people are frustrated by that you can buy money market funds of different kinds through the discount brokers. In this case, You've got Robinhood paying 3% on idle cash. What you're getting right now on your savings is really much better than the typical bank is paying, which is still a tiny fraction of 1%. But what I want to make sure you're aware of and other people are aware of is that the big discount brokers, I think Fidelity and Schwab, offer CDs available that are FDIC insured for pretty much any term from three months to five years at really great rates. A lot of them are paying well over 4% right now. There's no commission. You got the full FDIC insurance. And if you go, if you are a customer of a big organization like Schwab or Fidelity, and you go to investment choices, one of the things you'll see, and it's not an investment, but it'll be listed there, is doing CDs. And you'll see if you buy, like Fidelity does a wonderful graph that shows if you put your money in a three-month CD, you'll earn this. You put it in a six-month, nine-month, and it shows you going all the way up the scale. And interestingly enough, the financial markets, because you don't get the sense of the financial markets when you do business with a giant monster megabank. They operate in their own orbit, divorced from the real economy. Because the psychology of people who have accounts at a traditional bank. But when you look at the financial markets, what you can see is that the financial markets are fully pricing in that inflation is going to go away after the next couple of years, the inflation we've seen. Because what you'll see when you look at those bar charts is you'll see that the interest rates you can earn on medium lease CDs are fantastic. And then the rates start going back down as you look at much longer term CDs, where normally the longer you tie your money up, the better a rate you get. But I digress because the big point is if you have idle cash, you don't want it sitting in a traditional bank. Never. You want to earn the best you can. The online banks are good. But right now, what you can earn through the discount brokers on an FDIC-insured CD is much better. As for the question you asked about your money, if you're comfortable at Robinhood, they're paying 3%. Your online savings account's paying 2%. Move it to Robinhood. And I want to thank you so much for joining us for our first show of November as we move into the 
colder time of year. Will I change from short sleeve shirts in the colder time of year? Nope. 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 The Clark form lives 12 <laughs> months a year. And by the way, our Clark Deals cash giveaway, giving you a little booster shot for your Christmas spending, ends on November 3rd. Visit ClarkDeals.com slash enter to learn more and have your chance to win. And of course, no purchase necessary.